This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast. Day two of the NCAA tournament. After a wild day one, I guess we can always say that. This one had its uh, moments, to say the least. I'm going to give you a rundown on each game and give you actually unvarnished, honest opinion here. When you watch these guys do the tournament, the one problem is they don't want to rock the boat. You never hear them actually destroy a coach or anything else, they they very rarely, anyone who has their hands on the tournament, which means CBS or Turner, TNT, True, any of those guys, they feel compelled. Remember, I did the tournament for years, and I'm telling you, I was an outcast in those days because I said whatever I wanted, and the NCAA used to flip out. I mean, absolutely flip out. They had guys who ran it. There were two guys who really ran it in those days, uh, Tom Drunstead and David K. Wood. They wouldn't even invite me, and I was a CBS employee. They wouldn't even invite me to the functions. That's how upset they were with me. Like, I sided with Tarkanian, and they wound up having to pay him a ton of money. I mean, I, I was always anti-NCA, and I, I used to get clobbered for it. But, hey, at least I was honest about it. Now, here we go. I'll take it right down the ladder, and then I'll save the two big games, the two big crazy games for last. Alabama scored 96 points without the best player in the tournament scoring a point. That's the first time I've ever seen a team. I'm telling you, in all the years I've watched this tournament, and I've watched it since I was a little boy, the only time I ever remember a team turning the second half of a game into a scrimmage. It was a public scrimmage. That's what it was. The guy who led them in scoring Alabama averaged... Seven minutes and three points this year. And he led the team in scoring. This was like a scrimmage. This wasn't even a December game. It was a scrimmage. They scored 54 points in the first half and outscored them by one in the second half. They could have outscored them by 30 in the second half. Instead, if you uh, bet on Alabama, which I don't know if you did because it was a pretty hefty line. It was 24 and a half points. They didn't try in the second half. And Miller didn't score in the game. That's crazy. He didn't even hardly play in the second half. He only played 19 minutes for the whole game. But Alabama scored 96 points without trying. They are that good. Maryland lost a tough one to West Virginia, typical 8-9 game. Uh, Game of runs. West Virginia, huge run early. Maryland ran back at them, took the lead. West Virginia, big run second half to take a big lead. Maryland ran again, wound up on top. West Virginia had the ball in the air down two, and it didn't drop. And Maryland wins. Dead even teams. No big surprise there. San Diego State, Charleston. If you bet on Charleston, and I admit I did, plus five and a half, this was one of the real screwings of the year. There's no question about it. Because 
This game was tied at 53, and you're getting five and a half points with Charleston. They're down two. Charleston is. They get called for a highly questionable foul on a three-point shooter on a miss as the clock runs down. Van Gundy hated the call. I thought it was, at best, a flip of a coin. I thought it was a no call. That killed them. They get down four with seconds remaining. Instead of coming down and just lofting a three and then either losing by one or losing by four, they go inside. They get tied up inside. The shot misses, and they call a foul with... 0.2 on the clock. Now, I thought the official was going to take his whistle off, walk away, and run off the court. No one would have said a word. They went back and put 07.7 on the clock, which is worthless. You can't even do anything in .7. And send the guy to the line for two free throws. The line's five and a half. The meaningless free throws. They've already won the game. The kid makes both. And you lose by six. That was... A devastating. If you covered with San Diego State, you you they owe you you owe them one. If you lost on Charleston like I did, you got absolutely screwed. There's no way around it. It's one of those games that if you're ever in Vegas for, you'd see them going crazy in the sports book. I mean, rolling around in the aisles. The guys who covered rolling around. The guys who lost kicking garbage cans. I mean, that's the kind of game that was. There's no way you don't cover if you're Charleston, and they didn't cover. That was a tough beat. I will hold Virginia to the end. Missouri was just better than Utah State. Nothing very important in that game. Duke or Roberts. Or Roberts is a really was a really good mid-major. They were a very dangerous mid-major. They would have beaten a lot of teams in this tournament. They had no chance against Duke. I told you that from the beginning. Duke's been playing sensationally. Duke played in the first half. The most perfect first half you could play. They were the most impressive team on the floor yesterday. There was no team that played as well as Duke did in the first half. Duke's game was sensational. And the problem was Max Asmus, who has been, had a great career at Oral Roberts, was being double teamed by bigger, more athletic players. There are six guys on Duke who are every bit as good, if not better, than he is. Duke's got six pros on that team, at least five, maybe six. And they have incredible shot blocking, incredible length. Duke is a scary, scary team that is coming into its own under first-year coach John Shire at the right time. They are going to be an incredibly tough out. Tennessee didn't play well. They usually don't. Rick Barnes' teams usually don't play well in the NCAA tournament. They don't have their point guard. They lost him, which is really tough. The game got close, but Tennessee wins. So you have a Duke-Tennessee game coming up in the 4-5 game. Uh, Tennessee survives the first round. I have always, if you are a public handicapper of the tournament, which means if your bracket gets attention, like mine does or anybody who does this as an expert and especially the guys who do it all year, like the ESPN guys. If you are a Jay Billis who 
thinks it's really important that he puts up every game in the tournament and tells you how who's going to win and who's not. And then he goes out and has the team he picks to win it all, losing the first round to Princeton. Let me tell you something. That's a sleepless day. I don't care what anybody says. You're going to get clowned. You're going to get ripped apart. And you just have to take it. It's brutal. The one rule of thumb, if you are a guy whose bracket gets noticed, you don't want your final four teams to lose in the first round. That's number one. And you don't want anything to happen to the team you picked to win the championship in the first round because that is mortifying. Nothing short of mortifying. The people who picked Arizona, and a lot of people did, got mortified yesterday. And that included Jay Bills, who picked UConn, Arizona over UConn in the championship. It doesn't get any worse than that. And you deserve it. You just got to take it. My four teams all got through. But I'll tell you something. I was worried about Houston. Here's why. Number one, Northern Kentucky was really well coached. There are one seeds. There are 16 seeds that don't, have a, don't even know really what to do with the basketball. And then there are 16 seeds that go out there and have a clue and really go out there and are really well coached and play tough and play physical. And that was Northern Kentucky. They were a hell of a team. And if you told me that Houston was going to lose Sasser again, which they did, and now they're going to have to win probably three games before Sasser can help them. This is a first-team All-America they lost. This is a first-team. This isn't like a good player. This is a first-team All-America that they're going to have to play without. It's going to be tough. It's going to be very hard for them to get to the Final Four. But if they get there, they should be able to get him back with his groin. He played last night, and you could see him on the on – the, uh, bench in the end of the first half, and he hurt the groin again. I doubt he will be on the court against Auburn tomorrow. And that will be a tough game now. But if you had told me that Houston was going to match up against a 16 that was really a bad matchup for them in a lot of ways, not only that, if you were going to have a game you're a one seed. And I can tell you in the second half, I was a little worried about them. And I'll tell you exactly when, when that changed. First of all, if you had told me that Houston was going to lose Sasser, who only, gave them five, who only gave them five points, and obviously is no help right now, and you were going to shoot four of 16 from three, Get out-rebounded 2-1. to one. They gave up 17 offensive rebounds to a 16 seed. And get out-turnovered 2-1. to one. They forced only 7 turnovers. They gave up 14 turnovers. They usually destroy teams on two categories. Offensive rebounding. And forcing turnovers. Last night, they got beat 2-1 to one in both categories, shot 25% from three. They're lucky this game wasn't much closer. But the one thing I can tell you right now, the difference between Arizona and Houston was the Houston players were more afraid of going in that locker room after losing to a 16 seed and facing that coach than they were going out and battling through all the adversity they faced yesterday. 
And that is the absolute truth. I'm telling you. Biggest basket in the game. They open a 10-point lead. Houston does with five minutes left. Northern Kentucky makes a two. Then Northern Kentucky makes a three. It's 53-48. That game is on the verge of being a 1.116 game on a night where nothing's going right for Houston. And out of a timeout, out of a timeout, they got a dunk. It gave them a seven-point lead. Okay? Then they come back and they foul him. So it gets back to five. And then off that, Mark, who had a play because Sasser's not there, knocks down a jumper, and they're up 57-50 with three minutes left. And you knew right there, right there you could see on their bench, in their eyes, that they were going to win the game. That this game was not going to go to the wire. And it didn't. They won by 11. But that, those two baskets, the Walker dunk and then the Mark jumper that put them up seven with three minutes left was the biggest bucket in the game and one that allowed them to have breathing room down the stretch. See, Alabama, Arizona unraveled. Virginia unraveled. Houston didn't unravel. Auburn took care of Iowa. Hey. You know certain things about coaches, okay? In the first round, Pearl's going to give you a big effort. That's all there is to it. His team is going to give you a big effort. Auburn's a weird team. They're a streaky team. They can play well. They can play badly, okay? They are very streaky. They don't shoot it real well. They're athletic. They can beat anybody. They can lose to a lot of people. But the thing about Pearl is he wins his first-round games. They did again over Iowa. Penn State came in a hot team. A&M didn't match up against Penn State. We knew that going in. This was a matchup game where this was a game where, and I'm not the biggest Penn State fan in the world, okay? But they're playing out of their wine right now. Their coach is going to get a job. Take it to the bank. He's going to get a job. And they are a team that makes threes. And last night, what do they do? They shoot they shoot third they shoot thirteen of twenty two from three. You shoot sixty percent from three, you're gonna win the game. And probably comfortably. They shot sixty percent from three. A and M shot thirty three for the game, shot twenty nine from three. Coast job for Penn State in the seven ten matchup. They get Texas in the next round, Texas over Colgate. All you got to do is look at the athletes on Colgate for one minute against the athletes on Texas. You know that game's not going to be close. That's all there is to it. Kansas didn't have Bill Self because of the – he's still coming back, convalescing from the uh, treatment he had. Norm Roberts, who used to coach St. John's, is coaching the team. It's got to be nice for Norm to coach a team with that kind of talent. It's a lot of fun when you're coaching Kansas and you can run up and down the floor and, you know, score 90 points. 
I thought Arkansas was going to be more consistent than Illinois, and they were. I thought Boise had a good chance to beat Northwestern. I was wrong. Northwestern, I thought, handled them rather comfortably. It was a bad, bad pick on my part. I was, I was really wrong about it. I mean, it was only an eight-point game, but I was wrong about it. Uh, I, I didn't like Northwestern, but they played well. And I thought, thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. The I, had, I would have picked them to win the whole thing. I still picked them to go to the Final Four. And you go in these games. In these, the difference in the two fifteen, say with Arizona and then with UCLA, two teams that both had almost the same profile coming out of the Pac-10 is, you go out there and you're UCLA, and you tell the team, don't even think about it. That's what Duke did yesterday. Duke went in against Oral Roberts and said, don't even think about it. The game was fifteen nothing. UCLA said to NC Asheville, and a lot of people liked NC Asheville, and they said to them, don't even think about it. It was 15 nothing before it started. It was never a game. They won by 30 points, and it was never, ever a game for a second. Not for a second. They weren't even, they didn't even belong on the same court. So the thing that I wanted to have happen did. I got my four through, three of them very easily. Alabama, Duke, and UCLA won the way they're supposed to win in the first round when you pick them to go to the final four. Houston won by 11, but I tell you, I had a couple of nervous moments with Houston. I was a little worried about them in the second half. I didn't like what was going on. But they overcome it. But now they're going to have to go to the final four, and I picked them to go to the final four. And they're going to have to win three games without Sasser, I think. And winning three games without your best player, who's a first-team All-America, is not easy. They might get him back in the final four, but they're going to have to win some, beat some good teams to get to the final four starting with Auburn, and down the road, probably Texas. Now the two games. I looked at Furman a lot. I wanted to pick Furman. I didn't. I picked Virginia, and I don't love Virginia. I picked them because I just didn't think they matched up all that well with them. And I can tell you right now, I made the right pick, but I lost. Virginia lost a game yesterday that if you run it back 100 times, they will win 99. It was as bad a defeat as I have ever seen. They led the game start to finish. They were on the line with 19 seconds left. Okay, with Clark shooting two, up three. Clark doesn't make... Two, he makes one. So now they're up four. Now Furman drives to the basket, gets fouled. Their kid makes two free throws. Now Furman has Furman has no timeouts. Okay. It is 67-65, Virginia. They're inbounding the ball with 12 seconds left. Furman's in the double bonus, which means Virginia's going to shoot two. They inbound the ball to Clark 
in the backcourt. Now, Clark has, all he has to do is stand there, and if he waits, they're going to foul him. He has a timeout in his pocket. He has played, I think, over 150 games in his career at this point. And he has an open player, if he looks, that he can pass the ball to. Instead, he decides for some absolutely impossible to fathom reason and throws the ball into the center of the floor where it is picked off by Furman. Virginia, which is a great defensive team, is not is scattered all over the court, so they have no defense available. The ball gets into the hands of a wide-open three-point shooter who drops the three with two seconds left. Now, think about it. All Clark had to do was, A, stand there. He's going to get fouled. Go to the line. He's got two free throws. He's an 80% foul shooter, and they're already up two. Number two, he can call timeout. Number three, he can pass it to an open teammate. And if he took options four and five, which I'm going to give you, either sit on the ball, actually put the ball on the ground and sit on it, or take it and drop kick it into the stands, which would seem to be two absurd things to do with the basketball. Either one would have been a better outcome than what he did. What he did was the only thing in the world out of every myriad of option that is open to him that can get him beat. And that's exactly what he did. He threw the ball into the middle of the floor with nothing on it so it could be intercepted and then they could knock down a wide-open tray. Furman's got guts. They have chutzpah. They have toughness. They hung in that game. They were out of that game 35 times. They hung in the game. But the game was over. Yes, he should have made two free throws at 19 seconds and would have put him up five. He didn't. He made one. All he had to do was hold on to the ball. They were going to foul him. Or if he felt pressure, flip it to the teammate. Or if he felt more pressure, call timeout. Instead, he makes a play that will haunt him for the rest of his life. And it is the only possible way that he can lose the game. Now, I understand they still had to make the three, but it was a wide-open three. There was nobody there. Give him credit for being clutch. They made the three. They actually got a reasonable look, although they didn't even have to shoot it from where they shot the last shot. They could have taken a couple more dribbles because they weren't going to foul him. But they only had 2.2 seconds. It could not have been a more nightmarish situation. He would have been better off handing the ball to the Virginia, to the Furman player in the backcourt 
and allowing him to take a layup. At least then the game would have been tied. They would have had the ball. He did the one thing that could get him beat in that situation. Was scatter the Virginia defense and put them in a position to take a wide open three. Like I said, if you run that play over from 12 seconds left, Virginia inbounding with the ball plus two, double bonus, Furman has no timeouts, Virginia's going to win that game 99 times out of 100. If I gave you a list of things that he could have done with the basketball, including, like I said, drop kicking it into the stands, would have been a far superior outcome to what he did. If he had flung it all the way down the end of the floor, they would have won the game. If he calls timeout, they win the game. If he holds the ball, they win the game. That's why you just never, ever can understand what goes on in players' heads. And this is a player who has played a gazillion games and has been in almost every situation you could ever be in in your life. And I can't even imagine what he's thinking today or what that Virginia coaching staff is thinking today on a game that they led the entire game and they had the game over. I mean, when Foster missed the three and they foul with 19 seconds left, they're going to the line. They're going to the line to go up five. They only go up four, but they're still up two possessions. Furman does the right thing. They don't settle for the three down four. They drive it to the basket. They get fouled. They make both. And then we get the mistake of a lifetime. That makes Furman everybody's darling as they get ready to play San Diego State tomorrow. And Virginia goes home. Now to the game that everybody, everybody from coast to coast, and this is what the tournament is all about. The tournament in the first four days, especially on Thursday and Friday, is about the big upset. It's about Cinderella. It's about the 16 taking out the one or the 15 taking out the two. That's what it's about. That's what America waits for. They wait and they hunt and they peck for the game that is going to be the big, crazy outcome, the big upset. And there it was. Late in the first afternoon session, and people are texting everybody around, hey, get to the game. Princeton's got a chance. Princeton's got a chance. To say that Arizona did a bad job in coaching this game would be the understatement of an entire lifetime. This was a game 
that you sit here and you say, are you kidding me? I mean, you cannot even contemplate how badly Arizona played. Princeton shot four for 25 from three-point. Four for 25. They shot 40% for the game. They only went to the foul line five times. Arizona, which had incredible size and talent that just overwhelmed Princeton. Okay, this is Princeton. We know they're smart. We know they're going to do the right thing. But they were almost dead and buried in this game so many times. There were two runs. They made a run at the end of the first half. When you talk about how you close halves in these tournament games. Going into the half, coming out of the half are incredibly pivotal times in these games. Arizona was comfortable. Okay, they were comfortable. They had a, you know, 26-20 lead, 30-22 lead, 30-22 31 with four minutes left. They don't score in the last four minutes of the first half. And they go into the half 31-30. And then they are still in a position where they're comfortably in front in this game. With 10 minutes left, they're up 49-41. You know, at the five-minute mark, they haven't scored in a long time. They're not scoring, but they have a 55-50 lead with four minutes left. And then that's it. Arizona's last basket came with 442 left in the game. They did not score again. Princeton scored the last eight points of the first half and the last nine points of the game. And the Arizona front court was bad. The Arizona backcourt was so much worse than bad, you'd have to invent a new word to explain it. But then if you tried to explain what the coaches were doing, you would have to create a word even past that. That's how badly coached they were in this game. To allow this to happen. To have the kind of trips that they had. 
Arizona scores to make it 55. Uh, Princeton scores to make it 55-52. Arizona gets an offensive foul. Princeton scores to make it 55-54. Lawson misses a layup. Ramey comes down and takes a terrible three. But Princeton doesn't put it away. Now with two minutes left, Langbrook scores, and now it's 56-55 Princeton. Ramey comes down, misses again. Ramey comes down, misses again. They get an offensive rebound. They miss again. And then they take a couple of threes, miss those, and the rest is history. This was, they did not run anything that made sense. They did not run anything that gets them to the foul line. They did not run anything despite overwhelming size. There was nothing. It was almost like they were completely out of sorts and rudderless for the last five minutes of the half and the last five minutes of the game. Clueless, directionless. Never, ever have seen a big team. And this was a big team. This is a team that had just beat UCLA. Now, UCLA wasn't a full strength, but they beat UCLA, came from behind to beat UCLA for the Pac-10 title. UCLA went out yesterday and won their game by 35 points in a dance. This team could have put Princeton away on numerous occasions, let him hang around, and then had no answer for anything that Princeton did. It wasn't like Princeton was miraculous. It's like Princeton had a pulse and Arizona didn't. It's like Princeton said, you're going to give us this game? We'll take it. Thanks. It is hard to comprehend how awful Arizona was in the last five minutes of that game. You almost wanted to shake them and just ask them, call timeout and say, what are you guys doing here? Instead, they stumbled around and marched into oblivion, becoming the first team ever to be beaten as a two-seed twice. That was the 11th time a 15 has beaten a two, and it's the first time one team has lost twice. Arizona lost to Santa Clara many, many, many moons ago. Hey, upsets happen. And sometimes the other team makes unconscious shots. 
Or you have a brain warp like Virginia did, and you can at least say, hey, the kid had a brain warp. But this was a unraveling that was so much an indictment of their backcourt and their coaching staff that it was almost hard to fathom. That's how bad Arizona was. And that's how badly coached they were in this spot. And now Princeton gets Missouri. And already is the darlings of America. One game makes you the darling. I know it's a little different for Princeton than it is when one of these other teams does this. Because Princeton is Princeton. They're not going to change who they are. Their coach isn't going to change his life. Nothing is going to change there. Because they're, they're Ivy League. We know that. They'll go back and do it the same way next time. Just like it happened a generation ago with two generations ago with Pete Carrill. When Pete Carrill almost pulled the 116 upset and then came back and beat UCLA years later. Jim Harris, UCLA team. But they don't change everything. But this is, it's about putting those schools on the map. The ones that win those games. Those coaches are upwardly mobile. Like right now, Penn State's not a great basketball job. We know that. The Penn State coach, you watch. He's going to be in the Big East next year. He's going to be in a much bigger spot next year. There's no question about that. He's, he's on a lot of teams' hit list right now, a lot of schools' hit list. He, and he got his big win yesterday. They played great in the Big Ten tournament. They almost beat Purdue. They went to the finals. And now they get in here and they beat a Texas A&M team, which had a pretty good resume. I mean, Texas A&M was, you know, they had a good year. They were 25 and 9. They were a good team. They just had a bad night. One game gets you on the map. Two games, if you're looking for a job, gets you one. Most teams, the guy's looking for a job. A little different at Princeton. So there were two stunners yesterday. Virginia, which had a veteran point guard just come apart. Just completely lose it. And make the one play out of 100 he couldn't make. And then you had Arizona. A big, talented team. A team people were picking to win championships, including... guys we watch or guys you see on TV. I think the president picked Arizona too, but that's fine. Somebody told him to pick Arizona. But the the bottom line is plenty of people picked Arizona to go to the Final Four. Plenty of people picked Arizona to win the whole thing. And they're gone. And when they go in the first round, it's embarrassing. There's no question about it. If if that's your bracket, that's the first thing you don't want. You want your final four teams to get through the first game because if they don't, you hear about it. 
After that, hey, we all know there's going to be upsets and and injuries. I mean, Houston now, if I could trade Houston right now for another team in the bracket, I would have to trade him now because the next three games, I think they're going to play without Sasa minimum if he plays again this year. If he can heal up to play in the Final Four, I can't see him after last night looking the way he did. I can't see him playing before then. And that's a loss, not of just a good player. That's a loss of a first-team All-American. Now, you're a day in. Another crazy day coming up. 16 more big games, then eight tomorrow and eight Sunday. Go to Bet Rivers for all of your wagering needs. Plus, when you wager on a game, they give you the three boxes. And you know what? If it hits your box, the final score, you can get up to... $10,000. So check that out. And remember, your bracket's in. If it beat mine, I think I was, I got off to a dreadful start. I think I lost the first three games of the day, but I wound up, I think 12 and four, maybe 11 and five. I didn't I have to go back and count. I think, I think 12 and four. But that's, everybody's 12 and four. Everybody's 12 and four. Because you can't pick all the upsets, and very few people. I'm sorry, I wasn't smart enough to pick Princeton. I did not think Princeton would beat Arizona, nor did anybody else, I promise you. So, your matchups for Saturday before we say goodbye today. And then I'll give you a thought or two about today's games before I get to a couple other things. You got Alabama, Maryland. You got San Diego State, Furman. You got Missouri, Princeton. You got Duke, Tennessee. You got Houston against Auburn and Birmingham, which will not be easy. You have Penn State, Texas, Kansas, Arkansas, and then Northwestern against UCLA. 16 big games today. Some interesting ones. You got UPon up in the Knickerbocker against uh, Iona. Let's see how well Rick Patino's team plays against a very good UConn team. That'd be an interesting game today. A lot of people on Drake today against Miami. Let's see how Drake is a team that's getting a lot of attention. So is Kent State a team, and Kent State's one of my sleep. I picked him to beat Indiana today. Let's see if we're right about Kent State. Let's see if we're right about Drake. Those are two teams that a lot of people think are going to upset their way into the second round. Let's see how they do today. As far as the Mets for a second, There's no words to describe when you lose a guy like Diaz for the season. Olchek is either about to or did do, I'm not sure if he did it yesterday or he's going to do it today, or patella tendon surgery. He's going to be out for the season. You can... Find an adequate guy to close games. But you can't replace somebody like him. This staff, this team, hopes were built around Verlander, Scherzer, and Diaz. It's a devastating blow. I don't share everybody's love for this 
baseball classic, or at least the players. The players seem to be the ones. I don't. I didn't meet. I didn't talk to many Mets fans who say who cared about the baseball classic. They were just nuts about losing their closer. But every way you hear the players, they love the baseball classic. Well, if they love it so much, maybe they should play it when the season's over and not worry about TV and not worry about being tired rather than play it before the season so that we protect guys from getting hurt. Maybe that's something to think about in the future. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan. And you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.